Hi, and welcome to the Club Soda podcast. I'm Anya Madvani, and I am the content editor here at Club Soda. So this month, we're thinking a lot about friendship. So how do our friendships change as we change our drinking behaviours? Where do we meet like-minded people? And what sort of stuff can we get up to when we're not drinking? This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Lucky Saint, the 0.5% superior unfiltered lager. We've been huge fans of Lucky Saint ever since we first tasted it. They use Bavarian spring water. It has this wonderful soft carbonation, really great mouthfeel, a really sort of nice multi-biscuit base and a lovely crisp citrusy hop character, really well balanced, nice bitterness on the finish. We absolutely love it. And we're very fortunate because they're offering our listeners £5 off your next order. So you just need to enter the code CLUBSODA5, so that's C-L-U-B-S-O-D-A-F-I-V-E, all in capitals, when you're checking out at www.luckysaint.co. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Lucky Saint. So our guest today is a friend of mine. I'm very excited to be speaking to her. Um, so she's many things, as we, as you'll learn. Um, but she's a mum, she's a grandmother, a running coach and a motivational speaker. Um, so I first met her online on Instagram a few years ago when we were both training for the Marathon de Sable, which is a multi-day race in the desert. Um, so we were chatting online about our training and getting all excited, but the first time that we actually met in real life, uh, just to embarrass her before we start, it was, um, when we were both having a cheeky nature wee in the same patch of bushes in the middle of the Sahara Desert. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Sabrina Pace Humphrey. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I can remember the day we met so clearly. <laughs> I was just I'd go back there in a second and do that oh. all over again honestly what a way to meet though in person because we've yeah. been online hadn't we and then to meet you and then yeah I I just I felt for you so much at MDS because I could just like my tent was quite close to your tent wasn't it yeah I think all the well we found weirdly all the Yorkshire people seemed to gather in the same area and then obviously yeah they kind of keep all the Brits in the same bit of the camp but yeah I kept kept an eye out for you over the week but I was a bit lost in my own head but it's so great to have you here on the Club Soda podcast thank, thank you for asking me um so maybe uh maybe we can start if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself um and obviously I suppose mostly I know you from a running capacity and I think I only sort of know that you don't drink maybe just out of a conversation we had once. It's not something that I hear a lot about from you. So I was really excited to talk to you about all that today. Yeah, well, I'm a 42-year-old, mum of four, uh, grandmother of two. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my life, my professional life has changed quite a lot over the last couple of years. I ran a public relations company and agency for 14 years. And um around about when I launched Strab Mums on the Run, which is the, the women's running community that I founded, I kind of had a bit of a moment of, of, wow, this is working with women and working to make people, help people be the best version of themselves they can be is what I'm here for. So when I realized that, um, which was kind of very much at the beginning of my journey in sobriety, um, I decided that I wanted to qualify as a run coach and also then decided to qualify as a personal trainer. So that those both kind of have happened within my sobriety. 
and um I yeah so I yeah at the moment yeah at the moment my job is as a as a run coach personal trainer kind of motivational speaker the kind of three areas but it's all entwined and it's all about helping people to be the best version of themselves that they can be through a lot of through physical activity because I have found that physical activity has really helped me to manage my mental health you know I suffer with depression and anxiety suffered a hell of a lot more with that when I was drinking um and yeah I got sober um six years ago um and it's honestly it was one of the hardest decisions that I ever had to make but it was the best decision that I ever made um and yeah, I'm really, really happy that you've asked me to come on and talk about this because it's not something that I don't ram it down people's throats. I always hated that when it was done to me when I was when I was drinking. Um, and it's although it's a massive part of of who I am, and um, but it's not something. It's it's just not something that I'm asked to talk about a lot because I don't actively promote that side of me. Not because I. I'm ashamed of it. I'm very, very proud of my journey. But I guess because my running and and that side of things is very much something that that kind of people tend to follow me about. And if they hear me talking about being sober, if they're in a place where they want to ask more questions about that, they tend to do that on a DM basis. So, um, and I like to keep it that way. I'm not going to out anyone and I'm not certainly not going to share conversations that are a private conversation. So, um, so yeah, but I'm more than happy to be here talking to you about that journey as part of my life. Amazing. Well, I mean, I guess, um, so were you sort of already running before you decided it was time to get sober or kind of how did, how did the two kind of match up? I started running after I had my fourth child because I put on a lot of weight. I put on like five stone when I had Cicely um, because I'm, I'm a person as, as many, I think many people that are sober or many people that have realized that they want to live an alcohol free life. I'm, I like doing things to ex- excess. You know? <laughs> so when I was pregnant, um, you know, after years and years of watching what I ate and dieting and getting fit, I decided, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, I can eat whatever I want for nine months now. And I did. I did. I, I didn't drink. You know, as soon as I, every time I found out I was pregnant, it was like, okay, I can't drink. So I didn't, you know, I, I wouldn't drink for throughout my pregnancies. Um, but as with anyone like me, as soon as I wasn't pregnant anymore, I was like back on it. So the same applied to food. So I put on so much weight when I was pregnant with Sicily. And and I also suffered with postnatal depression. So that was basically what spurred me to take up something which I could do, which I could hide myself. I didn't want to go to the gym. I just felt really ashamed of my body um I wasn't in a good place mentally and so that's how I initially came to running I hated running you've got to understand that about me like I was not I wouldn't run in the treadmills because I hated them I certainly wouldn't run outside but I did it because I took it up because I could do it and kind of do it in areas where I could kind of almost be hidden Um, And also my doctor had said to me that it would be a good way that I could help myself and help my mental um, health was by doing something that was like jogging. 
or something like that. So I thought I'll give it a go. You know, if it helps me feel a bit better about myself, then I'll give it a go. So that's kind of how I got into it. But how I got into ultra running is very much about um, doing something which could almost take the place of the drinking that I was doing. So how I came to the MDS. <laughs> so like, what do you do when you, when you, I think, you know, I, I gave up drinking. I initially got sober six years ago. I relapsed. Um, I relapsed about a year into my sobriety hmm. and um you know I'm I'm not uh, afraid to say you know I I needed to be around other women who drank the way I drank so I joined I I became a part of AA um but I relapsed a year after because what happens when we don't drink for a year and especially if you have an addictive personality like me it was like oh well, I've got it sussed now you know, I got obsessed. I don't need to drink. I feel great for not drinking. You know, I can drink in moderation and I can't, you know, this person can't. And um, so then when I got sober again for the second time, so I was out for about, I was drinking probably for about three to six months and um, it was worse than it ever was. Um, me having a break for a year you know, I, it, it didn't make me drink less. It made me want more. And um, so when I need, knew I needed to, to kind of try and get sober again, I, it was coming up to my 40th birthday. Uh, well, it was like two years before my 40th birthday. And I was like, oh God, you know, all of my friends drink. <laughs> you know, I socialized with people that drank. You know, I partied with people. I worked hard. I played hard, even though I was a mum of four. Alcohol was a way that I managed my anxiety. I thought I managed my anxiety, but it actually. Yeah, yeah. You, you think know. it takes the edge off and then the next day it's like, oh. That's it was worse. It was it was just, you know, I, I told myself and I told people, if you had the life I had, you'd drink the way I do, you know, and 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 it was just such um it it was just so untrue. And so when I decided that I I need need to get sober again, you know, my you know, my marriage was falling apart, my children were you know, were witnessing me in 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 hungover states and 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 circumstances that I look back now and I think how could I have thought that I was being a responsible parent when I was you know at that party with the kids and and I was behaving in that way. So you know, it came to thinking, oh my god, I'm going to be forty in two years, and and I thought, what can I do? Because you know, if I'm sober, I'm not. I don't want to have a big party with loads of alcohol and. Mm. But but I don't know how can I celebrate being forty. Everybody has a party at forty, and 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 I was like, I need to do something that makes me appreciate my body and my mind, and I need to do something that that really pushes my boundaries in a healthy way, and. Uh, and then I was sitting. I think I was sitting one Saturday night, feeling really sorry for myself. Like all my, I've lost loads of friends who kind of it seemed only wanted to party with me if I was like that that girl, you know, or that woman that like the party girl. And and it was a really weird time of my life. I was really kind of looking at the people that were around me and and 
feeling quite um feeling quite disconnected from everyone and I then I remember looking through the tv channels and this documentary about this toughest foot race on earth came <laughs> on and it was the James Cracknell documentary I don't know if you ever saw that you did watch that yeah <laughs> but I was like watching that thinking they're crazy like I run but I would I hate snakes I hate the heat I never <laughs> run in the desert and I can remember watching it and thinking there's no way I could I could ever do anything like that like I'm I only run marathons, you know, I only run marathons, you know, (laughs) and I'd never gone above 26.2. But again, that obsessive kind of addictive personality and that kind of drive that I have, that I've always had to have in terms of wanting to prove myself. Yeah. Took over in the sense of like, I finished watching, I was like, what if I could do that like what if this is the thing that I need to focus on to help me not only see where I can go with my running but also like the thing I need to be quite obsessive and and quite addictive (laughs) about yeah so how I got into ultra running was very much as a way to channel that thing inside me that's like what do I need to do in order to in order to show myself how good I can be and also to have something to do with my the time that I would be drinking or thinking about drinking or partying or thinking about partying Mm. and MDS was it like Yeah. yeah Yeah, for me, MDS was um, sort of similar. I was just very, very unhappy. And my cousin had done it years before and I didn't really know what it was. And he told me about it and I was like, oh, well, that's absolutely mad. But in the back of my head, I was like, I'll I'll probably do it one day. And then it was a similar thing of kind of, you know, not being particularly happy and being a little bit lost. And you needed that thing that pulls the focus back in. And it's like, right, I'm going to just put everything into that for a while. So. Definitely get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said, you know, when you decided to stop drinking, um, you sort of lost quite a few friends yeah. because of how, how you used to socialise together. So, I mean, looking at, you know, like you've built such an amazing community around you of runners and, and like-minded women in particular. Like, how did you how did you regroup and kind of rebuild those social connections after that? You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was um, it was pre-planned because it wasn't. Hmm. Um, it was really hard when I when I was, you know, when I was kind of early days in not drinking, you realize really, really quickly what who are your, you know, real friends or or fake friends. And, and it was very my DMs, my WhatsApp groups went really quiet in that hmm. first year because I wasn't going out drinking I wasn't the life and soul of the party anymore you know putting down the drink made me really have to start to address those reasons that I drank the way I did and that involved a lot of self-reflection it involved a lot of therapy Mm -hmm. um, 
and and it inv- I had to be safe. I had to be in environments that which were safe environments for me to be in. So I didn't want to go and drink Diet Coke, which was the only thing I drank, non-alcoholic at that time, in places where there was loads of alcohol being consumed. So people would say to me, I'll just come, you know, there'll be loads, you know, you can bring your Diet Coke. But I, it's like, I don't want to be there when you're all getting, you know, pit-faced. Mm. And I'm just the designated driver to kind of get you there and get, that's not what I want my life to be. So I knew Rick pretty quickly that I had to, I had to just surround myself with people who were for me and my, the journey that I was on. And, you know, whether I knew it or not, I think launching Stroud Mums on the Run, which I launched five years ago, which is a women's only um, running community based in the town that I live, which is Stroud. I knew that the way to help to address my own mental health was through was through physical exercise. And I, I hoped that by putting it out there and starting a women's only running community, which could go out during the day when a lot of women, um, you know, were taking the kids to school and then were kind of scrambling around for kind of like-minded people to be around. And the one thing that we could all share was that we wanted to run better. Um, but number one was about being in a community of women who running was a vehicle to share experiences. And that wasn't just about running. It was a safe space for an hour a week where you are going to be coached by somebody that is qualified to coach you to learn to run or to keep on running. But ultimately, exercise is a fantastic leveler in terms of just breaking down barriers and and talking about stuff that's really quite hard and and managing our mental health. What I say to the women in the community now is like, for this hour, you don't need to be the mum. You don't need to be the businesswoman. You don't need to be the the employee you don't need to be anything other than really what your authentic self is and I know that we hear the term authentic self so much and it's like what the hell does it mean (laughs) I just say to them like this is just you time like you don't need to be in charge let me tell you what we're doing but this is just your time if you want to run fast today there's a space you can do that if you just want to have a gentle run there's a space to do that like this is just your space and in creating that and in in putting in putting that as the number one and running being the facilitator for that it's been beautiful and it's grown the community so organically but so beautifully that you know, I now have conversations with women who know I don't drink because, you know, with those women, when they've asked me the same as happens online, you know, aren't you drinking, Sabrina? You know, if we when we used to be able to socialize, yeah. that I didn't drink. They were like, oh, are you not drinking? And I'll, I'll say I don't drink. You know, I, I stopped drinking. And and they may not have asked me why then, but certainly in the course of our running court, in the, our running together, I've had conversations with women who too have really struggled been are struggling or have struggled with their consumption of alcohol and and want 
want to ask me about my journey and how I came to not drink and issues that I've had, you know, and, and that to me has been worth it all because I didn't, I didn't have anyone that I felt in my life that I could, that would be honest with me about their journey. Mm. And I certainly, until I, until I joined the fellowship of AA, I, I didn't know any, but I didn't feel like I knew anyone like me that was quite high functioning as you know, when they were drinking. Um, and, and I'm just so grateful that in five years, you know, the, the community still continues to grow in it and it, and it is a space, it is a community that is about not having to put on a mask and be that person that maybe a lot of people think you are, but actually just be able to be really vulnerable as well. Because I never had a community that I felt that I could really, really put down Sabrina the PR director, Sabrina the mum of four, Sabrina the grand, you know, I never felt that I had anywhere until Mum's on the Run that I that I could really be me and really be honest about what was going on in my head. And I think that Mum's on the Run as, as one of the communities I'm involved with now has been a blessing for that. Absolutely. So how, um, how did you actually go about setting that up? Like, you know, if if someone now who's changing their drinking and, and wanted to find, you know, find their own way to connect with like-minded people, like how did you go about making that happen? So how I went about making that happen was I, I was quite au fait with Facebook at that time in terms of like um, launching groups. And I had been, I had been a, a run leader at my athletics club. So I kind of had been managing a Facebook group for my run group there. And I thought, well, I'll translate that into it was New Year. It was like the week before New Year. And I thought, I'm just going to do, I'm going to create this group called Strab Mums on the Run as a, a page. And then I'm just going to run a couple of adverts, really, really cheap adverts saying, look, you know, if you are someone who wants to learn to run in a women's only environment and wants to run like during the day, um, wants to be told like this is how you do it, then hit me up, like drop me a DM because I'm going to be starting a women's only beginners run group because I knew that that was at that time of year you know new year it's like new year new me thing and I lit I put these two adverts out there I think they cost me like one pound ten and I got so many responses I couldn't believe it I got 40 so I initially started thinking oh if I get 10 people that'd be great and within the course of three days, I had 40 women who were like, that's me. I, I, I want, this is what I've been looking for. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. So I had to start two big, two Strab Mums on the Run groups. And now we have like four groups a week. And well, we could when we were, you know, when, yeah. um, but it was, it's kind of, you know, it's that field of dreams saying, isn't it? you know, in, in uh, Kevin Costner, if you build it, <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely true. I see it now with, you know, the, the community that, you know, I co-founded last year, like Black Trail Runners, like if you build it, they will come. Like if you believe, if you really believe that there, that you have been, that you have been helped by something, a community or a person, 
you can be darn sure there's at least a couple of other people that feel the same way. And we've seen the same with black trail runners. It's like we were a group of seven people, black trail runners, who believed there was a lack of diversity in trail running. We thought, well, do you think we do we think there's other people there that and, and we just created it and and they have come and that's the thing with community it's like there are other people out there that are like you and I you know yeah. and they want to be able to have these honest conversations too and they want to be heard and they want to share their lived experiences whether you are someone that currently currently still drinks and wants to try and stop um whether you're somebody who who is a black tra- black trail runner and wants to meet other other people that are like you that have the same lived experience it's about sharing lived experiences and i think that's the great thing that i've seen that you've been doing with club soda it's like you inspired me because i was going around sainsbury's at new year and i was like i just i want to not have to drink diet drinks i want to find a no alcohol something that i can pop do you know yeah. something that yeah. I can like if I didn't know you and all the like reviews and stuff that you've done like I I would think they weren't there but I know that they're there and it's like Sainsbury's to me like didn't have enough variety of stuff so I like emails I emailed them I'm like I know that there are more options for non-alcoholic drinks out there like you have to you know, I, I would urge your buyers to go look, you know, club soda, etc. Because it's like small steps lead to big change. That's yeah. what I say. And in if in if I didn't know you, I wouldn't have had the confidence as a non-drinker to even send that email. So oh, it's, like, <laughs> it's like community. It's like you're part of like my like community. It's like we talk, we we share stuff online, like and I know you're doing that. So I know it's there. And and it's like people with me, with my running and with black trail runners, it's like they they know that there are ways to create change. And with my strap mums on the run, it's like they know that there are ways that they can manage their mental health and that running can be a part of that. But it's like you kind of have to show. You have to show and you have to hold your hand up and say, I'm going to show how it's worked for me you can do this too and if you don't have a community and if you feel alone it's really really hard it's really hard to believe that you can you can affect change in your life because you think oh it's too big it's too Mm. big but it's small steps just small steps yeah absolutely and if um I mean, if someone were listening to this and just thinking, gosh, I wouldn't even know where to start if I wanted to start running, what what would you say to someone? What what would you encourage them to do to make a start? I would say if, if God, I haven't been asked this question for a while. <laughs> I would say in today's age, there's so much great content out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people like me and people like you, like who are quite out there on social media, like gr- start to find people. Right, come and find. Right, come and find my page, and then and come find Anya's page. Drop me a DM. Like the amount of people that that send me direct messages and say, 
exactly what you've said. Like, I really want to like, whether it's to learn to run or whether it's, I'd really want to try and go above 26.2, like find, start to build a little community of people that you think might be able to help you and reach out. So find people that you like the look of, and this can be on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, and ask them, like, say, can you, you know, like you're saying to me, can you tell me how you started? And what I'll say to people is I wore the oldest pair of trainers. You don't need anything. Like I wore a baggy T-shirt. I wore some jogging pants and I went out and I said to myself, I had no idea. It was on the days before the Couch to 5K apps were there. And I said to myself, right, for half a mile, I'm going to go out. And for 30 seconds, I'm going to jog really slowly. And for 30 seconds, I'm going to walk. And I'm just going to alternate that because I've never done half a mile. Like, And when I did that half a mile out, half a mile back, I got home and I swore I, everything hurt. Everything really hurt. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. How do people like run three miles? Like, And this was the days before park run. But you know what, although my body really hurt and everything, every sinew of my being was like, don't do that again. <laughs> that the sense of a li- this little glimmer of achievement was like the thing that got me going out the day, you know, after a day's rest, the day after. Bit by bit, start small. You don't need to go out and even run a mile. And it's not even about, you know, from a coaching point of view, you shouldn't go out as a beginner and just think you can go and run. Because if you go and run a mile, you'd be na- you'd be absolutely shot and your body will take too long to recover. So it's about doing it really, really gradually, run, walk strategy, and to build up really, really gradually from there. And that's how... You learn to run. That's, you know, from and from a longevity point of view, it's how you start to understand how your body responds to the act of running. Because running is about more than just running. Running is about the whole package. So it's your stretching. It's your understanding why you need to mobilize your body at the beginning of a run to get that synovial fluid moving around the joints. And it's about how to how to be like, um, why does my body need to be strong? Running alone isn't going to make you strong. And it's a surefire route to injury. It's just thinking you can just go out and run and do nothing else. So mm-hmm. it's kind of developing that community of people that will help you in terms of strength and conditioning. You know, okay, if I want to be less injury prone, what is strength and conditioning? And, and why should I incorporate that as part of my kind of fitness too? And and there are so many great people out there that are posting um, ideas for stuff that you can do, especially, you know, if you're a runner, you know, focusing on those muscles that help to keep us injury free and strong. So that's what I would say. I would say, go out there, see who's out there, see who you like and ask questions. I've never, I've never asked a question and been met with, I don't want to tell you about that. I've always, if I ask questions, sometimes I might not get a response immediately, depending on how big the person is or whatever. But ultimately people like to help people. Um, 
and I I'm one of those people and I think a lot of the people that are in my community or people that I respect are those people too definitely so if people want to find you and listen to things that you're doing or if they wanted to ask you about coaching or just follow your amazing Instagram stories um, where should where should people look for you I think I'm my most real self um, on Instagram because I'm just I'm like a really visual person. <laughs> I enjoy the, the car stories. There's a lot going on. It's great. <laughs> and I have to tell you now, if you do follow me on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is at Sab Runs Miles. It's like a double entendre because it could be Sab Runs Miles or it could be Sab Runs Smiles. Ah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so um I think that's where is kind of the you get a real flavor of like who I am and I share my running stuff on there and I share just general life stuff on there I'm just about to complete on a house that I I've bought tomorrow and I've been living with my in-laws for like three months and it, it has been painful it's been <laughs> painful um and uh and again like my in-laws my family my my in-laws are big drinkers and that's been really challenging at times mm-hmm. when I felt really mentally low about living in a bed sit basically which is where me and my husband and my kids have been living and you know being in that environment where there has been a lot of alcohol around I found that really tricky at times not because I want to drink but just because my husband and I created an environment in our home where we don't have alcohol in the house. You know, it's just, we just don't. My husband stopped not because of he's had a problem with it, but he stopped drinking like four years ago because I guess he wanted to support his wife, but also he just didn't. He wanted to be as fit as he could be. That's amazing. I mean, well, you did say earlier that um, you know when you were drinking more, you felt that that was impacting your marriage. I mean, like I see you guys now like training together and like it just looks like this wonderful relationship. I mean, sort of what um, do you have any kind of advice for people about, I don't know, about kind of managing that when you're changing your drinking? Like It sounds like your husband was really supportive. You know what? It's it's a really massive thing, I think, if, whether it's your partner um I remember when I gave up, I initially became sober and and Neil was still drinking and it was really hard because um, it was really hard for me because Neil seemed to, as I did, totally change his personality when he was drinking. He, he, he stopped being a very sensitive, very caring person and, and, and became as many of us do when we're drinking, really egotistical, opinionated didn't care who he upset it was like and I I did it wasn't good for our relationship and I can remember having a conversation with him and saying I'm just not going to come out with you when you're drinking anymore because it you 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 are really not the person that I I married I'm not really sure who you are and it really struck me when I said that because it's exactly what he said to me towards the end of my drinking was like whoever you are, if this is who you want to be, I don't think we can continue to be married because I don't like the person that you're becoming and you're not the woman that I married. And that was a massive like point in our relationship because he meant it. You know, when people say stuff to you and you're like, they don't really mean that. Yeah. 
Yeah. He meant it. You know, he said it with tears in his eyes. He was like, if this is the path that you want, if you really want to continue to drink in this way, like not only can I not be with you, but I our kids can't be with you. You know, it was it was really bad. Hmm. Um, and I was in a really bad place. And so when I said that to Neil, I think that it was at a time in his life where, you know, we were both hitting our 40s and he was just like, you know what? He was, I don't want to wake up hungover. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think I want to like do this, not because I'm an addict, but just because I kind of just want to be the most healthiest person that I can be. Mm-hmm. And, and he, boom, like stopped. And that was it. He hasn't drunk since. And yeah. he, I, I think it's, I have friends who are with partners that still drink and it makes the whole process a lot harder I think it just makes it harder and um they make it work I think because they when it comes to uh drinking they live separate lives when it's like that Mm. they they don't socialize in that manner um I don't if I'm being really honest with you I don't see a lot of relationships in my world or the people that I know that have lasted the distance when one person is a non-drinker and the other person isn't. I think that it it brings about in a relationship questions um, that either can be worked through or just can't. Hmm. And I think in, if I'm being really, really honest with you, I think that if Neil had continued to drink, the kind of drinker that I was, would I have would this journey have been, um, would I be sitting here talking to you now? I'm not sure because there were times in my early sobriety where I was like, why am I doing this? You know, mm. and um, and Neil not drinking meant that I at least had somebody with me at those social social events that was like, oh, well, let's just go home now. Like we've done what we need to do. Like we've come yeah. to just go, go and get, a McDonald's and go home, you know, <laughs> all that running nutrition, <laughs> yeah. or like, or we've gone out and we've been like, okay, it's New Year's Day, like, what should we do? Right, we'll sign up and do like a ten mile race together. Like, that's what we'll do, and and we'll ring in the New Year that way. So I don't have all of the answers, and but it's, I I I I feel blessed and I feel grateful that I have a partner that loved me so much that he that he stopped drinking you know and 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 he feels better for it when we've we've had conversations about it and I've said do you ever feel like you want to drink like honestly be honest with me and tell me and he's like don't miss it like hate like feel so much better for it don't even think about it he's like if I wanted to drink I would I don't Mm -hmm. drink I don't want to like I don't, he just doesn't want to anymore. And, and that, that just, you know, that, that, that's, I think that's the best, one of the best gifts in our marriage that he could have really given me because, yeah, I don't know that I'd be sitting here talking to you now had he still drunk, especially in the times when I felt really like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, you know, because just because you give up life, give up drinking, life doesn't stop being difficult. 
Yeah, it happens. Like, and we have to have other coping mechanisms, whether it's running or whatever it may be, to help us get through those. So life still happens, and and I'm very grateful that my husband is with me in feeling the pain of life when that happens. You know, a lot of the stuff that happened in 2020. You know, lockdown. God. I think, Christ, if I had still been drinking, I would have gone to town on lockdown. Like I would have, abs- you know, and it, and it's, I say it kind of with, with kind of uh, this kind of, kind of wry kind of sense of humor about it, but it would have been a car crash lockdown for me. And now I can honestly sit here and say to you that I'm so, so glad that I found sobriety and I found ways to live being sober that enabled me to get through 2020 and what will be 2021. Um, But I'm in the best position I could be mentally and being sober is a massive, massive part of that. That's amazing. Yeah, I think um, my partner doesn't drink. I moderate, but I go through patches of just not drinking at all. Um, So I'm not going to drink now until at least gone March. Um, but yeah, we often sit and have those conversations where it's like, I'm really glad that we changed how we do that. (laughs) And he's taken up running since he stopped drinking and he is ridiculously good. It's very annoying. (laughs) Annoying when they're so good to start with. (laughs) It's like, I had to work so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sub four marathon. That's fine. Um, But yeah, I think, and it's really nice to be able to have those conversations together. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it's definitely a big part of it, isn't it, having that support network. Yeah. I mean, do you think, because um, I sometimes wonder, certainly for me when I was training for MDS, whilst the way I was choosing to process everything was technically healthful because I was exercising lots and eating health better mm-hmm. and stuff but it was very obsessive. Mm. And do you ever think that running and training in that way, particularly for ultras, I sometimes think it has parallels between kind of that slightly obsessive drinking habit. I think it's quite an interesting path to tread because in some ways it is kind of transferring to just something else that's good for you. At the end of the day, Ange, I've had this conversation a lot with people and a lot with, um, you know, I, I have a sponsor and um and she yeah she at times has been you know in 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 um you know I work a 12 step program and and everything like that and and she's had conversations with me with me and said you know the way that you are so focused the way that you're so obsessed uh, the way that you're so addicted to you know the sessions that you do the races that you're training for and everything that goes with that you know strength and conditioning and yoga and and nutrition and all that She said, it's transference. You do know that. And I said, yeah, but you know what? I used to fight it because there used to be, I can remember I had a conversation with somebody and they made it sound as if you'll never really work through your issues if you constantly transfer one thing to another. And, you know, for years I was like, I can't do this. I can't. But actually, you know what? My husband was never going to leave. It will never leave me because I go out and do a 12 mile tempo session 
you know my husband will never leave me because he has to travel to Chamonix to watch me compete in UTMB my husband was gonna leave me when I would go out on a 12-hour drinking session and arrange for our children to be picked up by the next door neighbor my husband was going to leave me when I couldn't lift my head off the pillow for 48 hours after a session. Like, I I get really annoyed sometimes when people insinuate that what they see as, um, you know, especially with ex-drinkers, like, oh, well, you've just transferred that onto, yeah, okay, so, yeah, we have. But ultimately, I believe in my DNA, there is this this gene, this addictive gene, I believe it. Um, I come from a family of alcoholics, basically. Um, And I found a way to take that, take that obsessive, um, addictive kind of personality and use it in a way that keeps me healthy, helps me to process mentally. When I'm out on those trails, yeah, I'm con- I'm processing those thoughts, those questions we ask ourselves constantly until I get to the beauty about trail running, that that nothingness where it's like I'm just I've gone. You know, if I didn't have my running or my long runs to do that, I'd just spend hundreds of thousands of pounds in more therapy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it is a transference, but you know what? it's one of the best transferences of my addictive personality that I could choose to do. And I show my children on the daily that if you put your mind to something, whether it's running, whether it's creating these communities, whether it's going out and and doing motivational talks to people, which, you know, they've been at some of them, like this is an all right thing to do. And I'd much rather be showing my children that than my children waking up and seeing me comatose on the sofa because I basically didn't get in till two hours before they woke up because I was out partying hard. So I've kind of come to terms with that now. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really good point. The the processing time, like definitely for my partner. Um I don't know if he'll be upset with me for saying this, but I think he sometimes struggles to put into words how he's feeling about something, but he'll go out for his long run and he'll come back and he'll have had that processing time. If he was angry about, I don't know, something that's happened at work or something that somebody said, he's had that time. He's focused on something else. He's had his his time to think and he comes back clearer and lighter every time and and just... I think just more connected to himself and and how he's feeling about things. And I think you're absolutely right. It's such an important time and absolutely saves you a ton of money on having to talk to someone about things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I do talk, you know, if I go out, if I'm going out again, you know, we have to be careful who we go out with now in lockdown. But, you know, often I'll do a long run with a friend or, or and, and, and it is it is free therapy for both of you, you know, and, and I believe wholeheartedly in the power of therapy. You know, I've been I was in therapy for like three years continuously and it helped with a lot of stuff. But I think running running just is is absolutely like in my bag of tools that I use to manage 
manage my mental health and 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 I want to do it for as long as I can so now that I'm getting a bit older and you know I'm perimenopausal as well um and I see you know I'm on these different communities for like perimenopausal women one of them's really really fun but you know I see a lot of women who have maybe realized that there might be a bit of an issue with drinking and because it really affects the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause as well are like looking for tips etc as to how to cut down or stop Hmm. Um, and it's beautiful that people will then come and say well this is what I did or this is what I did you know but ultimately it's your choice it's your journey what works for one won't work for the other and I think that's that's what's great you know the difference between you and I is that you know you moderate your drinking and that works for you and you know that about yourself and I know about myself that I can't moderate and I've tried and it it does not work and and we find our own paths you know and but the beauty is that you know there's no judgment here what works for one person might not work for the other but you've kind of got to try it to see haven't you like you know and and I did try it I did try and moderate my drinking but there's something inside me that when I get a taste for alcohol I want more and again it's something that I it took a while to accept that and when I finally had that acceptance it was like okay so I'm just going to be, I'm going to be sober, you know, I'm going to be sober and and that's all right. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, um, I'm not great now and I take sort of my long breaks as well. I'm quite confident that there will probably come a a point in time when I'll just not bother anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment I'm quite happy with where I'm at with it, but what I enjoy, um, my favorite thing about when I'm taking a break, like, so I know that I'm having January through March mm-hmm. with not drinking. And my favorite thing about that is knowing that I don't have to make any decisions about drinking in that time, because I've made one decision that solves all of that time. I don't have to be like, Oh, um, is today a day where I have a beer? It's just like, no, because none of these ones are. And that's very easy. And I also find when I'm training during times when I, I know that I'm definitely not drinking, um, my training is so much more effective and so much more focused, yeah. Um, yeah. just much sharper. Yeah. And you know what? It's somebody, somebody, a conversation I was having the other day, it was on a trail run actually. And, and we were talking about my friends drinking and we were talking about my, what I used to be like when I was drinking and, and my drinking for me, and this is for me and some people listening to this might resonate. I drank as a way to, numb and escape from my life basically mm. from this life that I had created in this world when you know I was very successful and award-winning and and all you know the trappings of you know a successful business and everything and and but ultimately I needed to have a vehicle to escape and alcohol was uh, I felt I thought it was the vehicle and it was because I would drink to black out that was my ultimate aim I wanted to escape And it was only when I realized in order to really live, I needed to create a life that I didn't want to escape from. Yeah. 
And in that, that realization was when I realized I couldn't continue to run a P I couldn't continue to work in the fast paced world of running a PR agency, which was very much work hard, play hard. And that I need that I realized through that launching of mums on the run, my heart and soul, I wanted to die helping people like helping people to realize to become that best version of themselves whatever that might be and that isn't about being an ultra runner it isn't about being an award-winning business it some for some women that I coach it's just being able to run around the park with their kids on a Sunday that's all they want they just want to be fit enough to play with their kids and when I realized that I love that, that I love helping people in that way, it was like, that's the life I don't want to escape from. Yeah. And, and that's all I do day to day is like try and create communities that help me have a life that I want to be fully present in and never want to escape from. I think, yeah, that's an absolutely beautiful sentiment. And I think a lot of people in the Club Soda community will will really resonate with that. That's wonderful. Um, we'd better end it there. But thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm probably just going to message you later with a whole bunch of more questions because <laughs> this has been so interesting. But thank you very much. Um, is there anything that you want to plug at the end? Um yeah, no, yeah. So if you want to follow me, just come come follow me on Instagram at Sabram Smiles. And I one thing you know, Ange, is that I uh yeah, I've got a publishing deal for my first book. Yay. So I'm yeah, I'm in the throes of it's funny, isn't it? I work really well to deadline. I've got this deadline that I've got to meet by the end of the month to get everything all my everything kind of in place and, and stuff like that. So so yeah, kind of watch this space. It's something that I never ever believed that I would be doing. Um everyone always tells you you've everyone's got a book in them, but um it's only in the last six months that that kind of that has really become a bit of a reality and there's a lot of imposter syndrome stuff going on but that's okay that's okay <laughs> that's kind of part of the kind of anxiety playing out but ultimately yeah watch this space so um I'm really yeah I, I it's a new experience and again it's like doing something in my life that is just crazy um but yeah if if somebody picks up the book eventually when it's published and and gets just one thing that they can apply to their life which helps them to yeah live their best life then job done amazing well when it is out we'll we'll give that a little shout out thank you, uh, thank you so much for your time thanks Ange. bye, bye. This podcast is brought to you by Club Soda. You can find out more about what we do on joinclubsoda.com and on our social handles at joinclubsoda.com.